Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest and Mr. John Hall, the president of Newbie Management. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thank you for making my day with that review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Newbie Management has faithfully served RV and manufactured home communities for over 46 years. They are a full-service property management company. Newbie Management handles all aspects of community operations, from resident relations, collecting rents, maintenance, human resources, financial and accounting needs, as well as sales and marketing. John grew up in the industry as his mother and father managed RV communities throughout their careers. John started at Newbie in 2012 as a regional manager and has worked his way up to now being the president of Newbie Management since 2020. Newbie Management oversees 45 higher-end amenity-rich properties, primarily in the Southeast and Florida. John, we are excited to welcome you to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here with you, Andrew. Yeah, maybe you can start out by telling us a little about your story and you know how you got into managing RV and manufactured housing communities. Sure. Uh, Newbie Management was founded in 1975 by an individual named Martin Newbie. Uh, it's been family-owned and operated since then. Uh, Martin syndicated a group of investors together to buy communities, and the thought was that he would in turn then operate them on their behalf as the management company. Uh, he was later joined in the business by his nephews, Tim and Todd. Uh, they each have served as CEO and president of Newbie through the years, and Todd Newbie is our current CEO. Wow, that is fantastic. And it's 45 communities. How many lots is that? Uh, just under 10,000 home sites total. Just under 10,000. Wow. So that's awesome. That is a huge portfolio. Maybe tell us a little bit about those properties. You know, what, sure. what star quality are they? Mm -hmm. What locations? Maybe some of the cities they're located, things sure. like that. Uh, they range. Uh, different ownerships, groups, uh, you know, purchase different styles of communities to operate. So we have at any given time probably a two and a half star to a five star community uh, in our portfolio. Uh, most of them, uh, probably the average uh, community size is probably right around 200 in total, but there's some that are smaller, you know, any given time um, that we've operated. Uh, the smaller ones tend to be more of a, a rental model uh, where there's less home ownership and more uh, community owned homes with rentals in them. Majority currently, though, are, are not that model. There are definitely uh, homeowners in the majority of them currently. And uh, that's uh, been a, a nice blessing. It's a little less, uh, less, less headaches and less work in that. Oh, I, I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. So it seems like you prefer the tenant-owned home model. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. I do as well. On the park-owned home model for, for those parks that you manage, what type of expense ratio do those run at? Do you have um, an idea? I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it's, it can be pretty high depending on, you know, uh, what the previous owner has done with the community and, mm -hmm. you know. So, so forth. Yeah. Do you think yeah. around like a ballpark, like 50%, 60%, something like I'd that? I'd say I was going to say about 40%. About 40%. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So I'm, I'm very interested, John, in learning about your team and what that looks like. 
in order to efficiently manage 45 different properties and 10,000 lots, would you mind just diving in a little bit and telling us about the team and how many employees you have and things like that? Absolutely. Um, we operate with usually an on-site manager at each community, and then that can vary you know, depending on the needs of the community between a part-time or a full-time employee as the community manager. And then there's usually a maintenance person underneath that community manager. Uh, sometimes there's you know, an admin as well. Just really depends on the size of the community and the needs and additional maintenance staff sometimes are necessary as well. So all in all, we have 158 employees currently in those 45 communities that we manage. And that includes our corporate office and that number as well. Corporate office is sitting right about 35 employees currently. Uh, we have a regional manager that operates a portfolio of communities. So they'll have anywhere between 10 and 12 communities in their portfolio at any given time that they're the regional manager over. And then an accountant staff as well that's here at our corporate office that works off a portfolio as well, uh, similar in size to the, that of the regional managers. Um, we do all of the invoice processing and payment. Invoices are uploaded on site by the community manager, but then all the payments run out of our office here through an accounts payable person. Have you guys explored any software for that? I know some of the other uh, operators I've spoken with have used like Avid Exchange or something similar. Mm -hmm. Have you guys looked into that at all? We use a software called Sync, C-I-N-C, and that's provided through South State Bank, and it links directly with each community's operating account. And it allows us to have direct deposits uh, via the manager on site. So whenever a payment's made, it goes directly into the operating account on site. There's not a need to run to the bank anymore and deposit those checks on a daily basis. It's automatically done uh, right there uh, with that check capture machine. And then the invoices there are uploaded on site as well. We get a scan of the invoice along with the, the coding of it, what GL code it, it impacts on the budget. And then all that's verified in a two-step process. Ooh by the uh, regional manager and the uh, accountant that's assigned to the community before the cut, the checks are cut each week. Very nice. Maybe since we're on the software piece, maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, what other software you guys use. Do you use, you know, something like a rent manager or something else to, to manage the properties? So Sync handles all the resident accounts as well and all the payment history for each uh, homeowner in the community and keeps track. Uh, each one of them also has access to a portal where they can go in and make online payments if they opt to. And they can also sign up for ACH. ACH is our preferred method of payment because then it's just automatic each month for them and they don't have to think about it or worry about being late with payment. And then uh, a lot of them do checks or money orders as well, uh, which there again are uploaded at the office. In addition to Sync, we use at the RV parks, we currently use Campground Master, but we're looking for a different software for that currently that can be more expansive and do more online reservations. Most of the RV communities that we manage have uh, annual year-round tenants, but we've been approached by some developers recently that are looking to get into the space and are in the process of developing some new communities. And we've identified a need there to um, get some software that's more feature-rich for online reservation purposes. Very cool. Wow. That's, uh, I don't know a ton about the RV space. We have one park that has like 40 lots uh, mm -hmm. that is very seasonal. Yes. Um, but I've heard really good things. I know some other operators that are getting into the RV space. Maybe tell us a little bit about the complementary aspects of manufactured housing communities to RV parks and sure. then some of the differences as well, uh, especially yeah. with the management. Well, the, the biggest benefit with the RV park ownership is the, uh, in, in most instances, the tenant is bringing their unit with them. So you have zero upkeep and issues with, uh, you know, homes and maintenance issues moving forward. You know, there usually ends up being park models set up in each one of the RV communities. 
which then would be a, a unit that doesn't move after that point. But uh, traditionally, most of the communities are made up by uh, transient uh, guests that are here for a period of time, whether it be you know a six month period or a month long stay. Uh, the, the stays tend to be a lot shorter in the RV parks than they do with the uh, manufactured homes. Uh, you know, eventually people come down seasonally in manufactured homes. Usually, you know, traditionally the industry was years ago, about 60% of the people left over the summer. And now we're finding that it's reversed and it's probably more like 60 to 80% stay year round and only about 20 to 40% leave now. So and I think it's still uh, quite a bit more seasonal in the RV spaces. Um, you would get a, you get a different tenancy over the summer than you do in the winter. Uh, you get the folks from up north, but in the summer, then you end up with, uh, you know, maybe folks from out west, uh, a little bit different makeup. And, and that also tends to keep the community fresher and a little less heartburn from the residents and, you know, grief. It's more of a, a fun lifestyle. You know, they're there to have a good time and enjoy themselves. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, very cool. From a management standpoint, you know, uh, I would assume, right, that there's like the higher turnover, you need more people involved. Uh, is it is it similar to you know a, a manufactured housing community where you need you know just an on-site manager or do you need you know the same staff uh, typically? Depends on the community. Uh, we have one community that is in the Kissimmee area, Lake Wales area, and uh, they are very um, active with people coming in and out more frequently. And in that instance, yeah, we definitely need more staff there to suit those needs when you have uh, more of that uh, transient um, life coming in and out more frequently. Uh, sure. They have a pretty aggressive reservations team there as well um, because they're taking a lot more of those reservations. But then we do have some of those older communities like I talked about earlier where you have less of that transient uh, business and they're, and they're there more you know, year round and that tends to uh, go back to more of the traditional setup of just a manager and a maintenance uh, staff. Very cool. Going back to the manufactured housing community side of things, how do you guys handle, you know, project management for CapEx tasks, you know, and, and infill? Do you guys handle any of that type sure. of stuff for your, your owners? Yeah, uh, we have in each one of our management agreements, there is a, a clause in there that allows us to have a supervision fee that gets passed on to the regional manager. It's split between our uh, management company and the regional manager that's assigned to the community. And they would get approval for those uh, types of projects beforehand from the community owner. And then we would supervise those projects at the request of the community owner, or they could choose to have an outside company come and do that supervision. That's really their option. But we usually work together with the community owner in developing the budget each year. So we plan for those CapEx projects uh, each year based on the community's budget. Uh, we come up with a, a schedule and a list of each project. Uh, we get usually a, a group of proposals together a minimum of three is what we strive for. Uh, sometimes that, depending on the availability contractors, especially lately, uh, that can be kind of difficult, but uh, we try to get at least three bids uh, with the same um, scope of work uh, together and, and have that evenly bid across three different sources and then uh, present all the options to the community owner and then let them decide which one they want to go with. And then we'll supervise those projects at their request. Very cool. What do you think is the toughest hurdle for mobile home park management what's what's been like the toughest part for uh for you guys well we operate under a philosophy that we serve three different customers uh we serve the community owner we serve the community resident and then we serve our newbie team members so we're striving each day to strike a balance between uh, the needs of those three groups we don't want to over serve or under deliver to any of those you know groups and if we do then we're we're out of balance 
So uh, we have to deliver a, a package of services that meets each one of their needs. So to the owner, we have to be wise stewards of the community that they've entrusted us to uh, our care. Uh, we have to uh, provide excellent customer service and open dialogue and two-way communication to the homeowner and a well-kept community so that they see a value for their monthly fees. And then to the team member, we have to provide you know, rewarding employment and where they feel valued and they contribute to the success of the community that they serve. So. Okay, so what's the toughest hurdle, would you say, like in the management of the communities? I think uh, the toughest hurdle is probably the resident relations piece. A lot of people lose sight of that. Um, mm. They get frustrated in the day-to-day and they can kind of stub their toe in that arena. And I may be totally off on this, but you know, from our, our, talk, our talk, you know, before we started recording, a lot of your communities, would you say that the majority of your residents are you know, older, like over, over mm. 55? Yeah, we have very few uh, family communities in our portfolio. The majority are 55 plus. And, so, but we have seen the average age of our, our residents come down quite a bit uh, over the last few years. I think uh, we looked, you know, when I first started uh, nine years ago, uh, when we ran the numbers, I believe our median age was somewhere around 78. And mm-hmm. I believe it has dropped to, uh, last time we checked, it was probably 68. Wow. So, that says down. something about all the baby boomers retiring mm-hmm. and coming down to Florida, right? Yes. I could definitely see that. I, my, my grandparents lived in a, a manufactured housing community down in the Keys and you know, they were home all day. They mm-hmm. were, they were nitpicking little things here and there. Oh, the rocks are, you know, mm-hmm. a bad, they're getting, you know, mildew on them. Yeah. We need to redo these rocks. And it's a different type of tenant base versus an all age community where people are in and out and going to work every morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's what we try to explain to our managers. You know, they sometimes get frustrated about those interactions, but the older tenant, that's really, you know, all that they have to do to occupy their time. So that's where we have to come in and provide groups for them to participate in or activities for them to get involved in so that they have better things to spend their time doing, like having fun than obsessing about, you know, uh, a rock or what have you. So, (laughs) yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Get the cruise director out and start setting up entertainment. That's absolutely, that's a completely different uh, niche, I Mm -hmm. would say in mobile home park ownership compared Mm -hmm. to, you know, where we're at, which is more all age affordable housing communities. Um, not that yours aren't affordable, but it's just right. a different lifestyle type of yeah, choice, absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, what are some things that you've maybe seen some mobile home park owners in, not account for mm-hmm. in their underwriting, but, you know, in their budgets and underwriting? Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest mistake that I've seen over the years is where they don't reinvest in the community and keep it current and fresh or they, uh, they don't account for the previous owner maybe neglecting some of the infrastructure issues in the community and didn't do a good job during due diligence to see those issues beforehand. And then they wake up one day and they realize, oh, I need to put in a wastewater treatment plan or I was under a consent order for this and I've got all these penalties piling up because they, they weren't addressed in a timely manner. Um, just things like that where the community maybe not have been well uh, maintenanced in the past and they didn't discover those things in due diligence and they creep up and surprise them after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. What mistakes would you, uh, would you say you've seen either your management company make or other owners make that sure. you think our listeners can learn from? 
I think the biggest thing that I've seen here recently is people that come from another sector of housing to invest and they don't fully understand this industry and they try to treat it like traditional housing or apartments. They'll purchase a community there again that has had little reinvestment and have many, may have many homes that are owned by the community and they don't allocate enough time or resources uh, for turning and remodeling those homes in order to rent or sell them. And, uh, or there again, they, they don't value the customer relations piece and they go in with the anticipation that they're just gonna move rents all the way up to market where this may have been a community that was suppressed for a number of years. And you know, the longer, it seems to me from what I've experienced, the longer somebody owns a community, the more relationships that they make as a community owner with the people in the community and the less likely they've been to be aggressive with rents over the years. So the new owner comes in thinking, oh, well, this is you know, $200 a month under market. I can just push it up tomorrow. But they don't do that reinvestment piece first to get the new buyer in there and attracted to the community. And they try to be too aggressive with the rents and they burn relationships with the current tenancy and are, haven't made the investment to attract the new tenancy. So. We've seen that all too often mm -hmm. recently with the, yeah. you know, people making the, making the newspaper and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I agree. This is one question I ask on every interview. Uh, what do you think are the most important things that passive investors, you know, we're talking limited partners here, investing in a syndication or a fund, something like that. What are the most important things that passive investors need to look out for and understand when investing into mobile home parks? I think it goes back to what I hit on earlier. Uh, be sure that you do your research in the due diligence period. Uh, make sure that you know exactly what you're buying before you buy it. Does it have a water plant? Does it have a wastewater plant? Are they well maintenance and maintained? Are they under any consent orders? You know, learn from the community membership or the HOA what the issues are and the needs are from their perspective, because the community owner is going to present the community one way, but when you actually talk to the membership of the community. Uh, you're going to get a different uh, feel and a different picture from them of what the deficiencies are in the community. So they might have plans, you know, a, a lot of times they'll come in and they'll say, we're going to put in this amenity or that amenity, but they haven't talked to the community residents to know if those improvements, amenities to the, uh, you know, those amenities or those improvements to the facilities are actually what the community needs and wants. You know, um, they might go in and put an amenity that will never get used in the community because they didn't ask, you know? That's a really good point. That is very, how, how would you go about doing that? Just take a poll or, you know, go talk to the, have the manager go meet and talk to the residents or uh, used a survey. Both, we've used both methods. Uh, the, the biggest, the most successful result is getting in front of the HOA with the permission of the current community owner and uh, having a little town hall with them or a meeting with them and letting them voice their concerns with you and, and you know, figuring out a plan then of different options. And what we've done in the past is after we've met with them, we've gotten an idea of what would be popular. And then we'll send out a flyer to the membership of the community and say, you know, rate these different amenities on a scale of you know, one to five, five stars being what you want the most. And then we take those most popular ones and then proceed getting bids for those items and trying to figure out how we can fit those items in the community. Very cool. Yeah, I love that. That's a great idea. So I, I have a question I wanted to ask you about retail sales and marketing, right? Like, I think infill has been one of the big ticket items where a lot of operators are, are basing their business plans around that. You know, 
the backlog of new homes, being able to get those from factories, you know, having homes, you know, you order homes and it's eight to 12 months before you, you get them there. Uh, but once the homes are there and they're on site, you know, what are some tips that maybe you could give some other operators that are listening for selling those homes, you know, at a retail price in communities? Yeah, uh, well, the retail price piece has not been an issue lately. There's been such a demand for them. Um, we've been able to, you know, traditionally in the past, probably in the past five years, you would go to market with a home and you would anticipate losing anywhere from, you know, five to $10,000 on the home just to get the lot rent going again on that lot. Yeah. It's been unoccupied. And now we've seen that we can actually sell those for the cost that we have in them plus commission. And, and, and even in some cases it, for a profit as well, you know, minimal, minimal profit, but it, it holds up in today's market because there's just such a demand. So what we do is we try to put the, the lot and the home's uh, floor plan out beforehand. Um, we advertise with a poster or a banner on the home site, and then we'll put the floor plan out and you know, have a coming soon sign or something like that. We'll put that up on our website as well. And that tends to help. And then once the home is there in the community, as soon as you can, uh, we'll do like an open house for the community uh, membership to go through the home and tour the home. And the benefit of that is it gets them excited about a new home being in the community. It uh, gets them talking about it. They usually have friends that are looking to come down and then they become your salespeople then at that point. Uh, in addition to that, uh, it gives them ideas of how they can reinvigorate and uh, maybe remodel their home. Um, so they'll see improvements in the new models and say, oh, I like that, you know, Ethel, let me do that in our house. And uh, it just kind of helps bring the whole community up as a whole when you uh, are able to reinvigorate and sprinkle some new homes in there. In addition to those things, uh, we do the traditional methods of advertisement, trying to get it on uh, Zillow, MH Village, and just some of the other resources in the area that we use. Awesome. And let me see here. So financing, if someone's going to come in, do you provide them financing options to purchase the home? We have a list of preferred lenders that we've spoken with um, that are usually willing to loan on uh, mobile homes. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. What are the top KPIs that you use in your management company that you relay to the owners of your communities? We do an annual survey with our community memberships, a majority of our communities. And so we'll relay the information of those surveys to them uh, with the biggest needs, kind of like what I hit on before, uh, where we're going into the, a new community and surveying the membership. We'll do this, a similar survey about the current conditions of the communities we operate and share those with the uh, community owners. Uh, community owners are also uh, getting copied monthly on the financial statements for the communities. Uh, we'll do a budget recap report at the end of the year to them, and they'll know how we performed. Um, usually we meet with them, a couple of them we'll meet individually with and review the results of the prior year and then discuss the projects for the upcoming year and the expectations for, for that. We usually meet annually as well to discuss the uh, rent letter process, uh, what we feel the, the market is bearing as far as increased percentages. Um, most of our increases are uh, market-based. And so we'll have a discussion with them based on the um, data comp surveys that we subscribe to for each trade area that we serve as far as uh, what those percentages need to be for the coming year. Very cool. What does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes and why? I think perfect community is one that's consistently looking for ways to improve and stay relevant to today's buyer. They're evaluating, they're offer, offering, they're updating regularly, addressing work order or maintenance issues timely, keeping up with the curb appeal. They're consistent with rules enforcement, uh, charging fair rents for the amenities and the experience the community offers. Is the staff warm, friendly, competent in their role? 
Uh, are there regular well-attended events? Is the staff meeting regularly with the membership and hearing from them and addressing concerns? Uh, we can't always please everyone, but the most important thing that I've experienced is that our residents want to be heard. So I can't always, I always tell them I can't say yes to everything, but I'm at least going to listen to you and I'll do my best to uh, give you an answer that you, I think you'll be pleased with. But uh, there's some things that we just can't, can't please everyone, unfortunately, but we can try. So. Yeah, no, that's great. So at Newbie Management, you know, I know you said the average number of lots in one of the communities is 200 lots. You know, what, what does it cost if someone has a 200 lot park? You know, what does it typically cost to hire you guys to manage their community? Like, it sounds expensive. Like, I'm, you know, just from it's my- not, no. We charge a fee and it's, it's based on the size of the community as well and the operating budget of the community. Um, but our fee is off of gross income and we usually charge anywhere from four to 6% on average. Okay. Well, and then yeah, we'll have a minimum fee well. uh, our minimum fee currently is sitting about $2,000 a month. Okay. And very affordable. Doesn't include the on-site staff or the on-site manager. Any, any decisions for that directly impact the community's budget, but our fee for all of the backend stuff that we do, which is all the accounting monthly, uh, the financial packet preparation, the regional manager, all of that is included in our monthly management fee. Wow. Yeah, that's very affordable. That's awesome. What do you think the future of manufactured housing communities looks like? You know, I mean, right now, April 2022, inflation is roaring. Uh, interest rates are, are rising. There's a possible recession coming. How do you think these communities will, you know, will deal with that? I think we're, in some ways, we're safe from some of those things because it still is affordable housing at the end of the day, even with record-setting you know, resales and record-setting new home prices that we're seeing, uh, when you compare that to the rest of the market, it's still affordable. Um, and, and it offers an experience that's unlike any other. Um, you, like you said before, it's basically like being on a cruise ship, but you're, you're living there. You know, what can you go do today? Um, is there a group down there that's, you know, a card group that you're going to go be with or water aerobics or, um, you know, what have you, there's just, uh, there seems like there's always something going on, um, any given day that you can participate in if you choose to, and if you don't want to, you don't have to. So that's one of the other benefits, but it all, it offers a community lifestyle that you don't get from other home ownership types. Um, you know, usually you're very plugged into your friends and your neighbors and, and there's a support uh, staff there for you with uh, your neighbors and, and the community um, operators as well that are looking out for you. Um, at Newbie, we're a faith-based company and we operate with corporate chaplain as well. So he goes out and checks on residents and is there for their needs as well as the needs of our employees and team members. Very cool. Uh, if our listeners would like to do so, uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, they can visit our website at www newbiemanagement.com. It's management all spelled out. Or they can call our offices at 941-721-0046. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, John. We really enjoy all your, uh, all your information you shared with us. Thank you, Andrew. It was very nice to meet you. Yeah. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.